It's good to see everybody today. A beautiful day today and great day to be together. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin. Welcome to Zion. We are so glad to have you here. Uh, I'm the pastor here, and we have been going through a series in Proverbs. Uh, and if you've been tracking with us, it's just been an incredible series where we get to speak to the nitty-gritty things in our lives and see how God really cares just about all aspects of our life together. Uh, and today we're actually starting to wind down the series. Uh, and we're going to be speaking about endings. Uh, today we're talking about abundant life. Uh, and we're going to be looking at, over the next, couple, next two weeks, today, uh, life and death, and how Proverbs really wants to, to open up our eyes to see the path that we are taking with our actions, whether they are leading us to life or whether they are leading us to death. And so what we'll be looking at is outcomes. What are the outcomes uh, of our life, of the decisions that we make, of the things that we do? We've talked so much about different things. We've, uh, we've talked about just the decisions that we make in everyday life when we go to work. We talk about the decisions that we make in family, the decisions that we make even about how we treat time and how we treat our money and how we treat substance and all these different things that society speaks to in the, in the world that we're living in. And so as we wrap this, start wrapping this up, we're going to be talking about outcomes, uh, which is really what Proverbs is trying to get to at the end of the day. And so the kind of verse that I want to start off with and think through today is Proverbs chapter 10, uh, verse 16. It says, The wage of, righteous, of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. So today, in today's day and age, I think what we are really marked by as a people in a society is how we search. We are always searching for something. Uh, it is the search for happiness. If you think about the founding of our country, uh, the pursuit of happiness is in the very core of who we are as a people and as a nation. And it is something that has stayed at the core of who we are when we think about the society that we've built as a country it has become our culture. It is a value of ours. The search for purpose. I think I've, I see this search a lot in the church. Where people in the church, you know, I've heard people that have been in church their entire life, maybe 5, 10, 15 years. And the question that they're still asking themselves is, what is my purpose? A lot of times uh, in, in just today's, in today's day and age, people are asking, what am I here for? There is a human longing, a human search to find what is the core of what I was created for. What is the purpose for what I was created for? Because I, I want satisfaction. I want the life to live the days that I live at the time that I'm here on earth. I want them to count. I want to do something with myself. We, we search for this purpose, this desire to be. The search for satisfaction to do something and at the end to not crave anymore. We see this in many, many ways where we come home and we try to be satisfied with our day where we go to whatever hobby or thing that we do when we get home or we see this in big ways as we 
search for jobs or we go to college and get a degree or uh, search for this kind of why people start families or why we get married. There's this satisfaction that we search for in everything that we do. Will this be the next thing that I do? Will this next thing that I do, will it be the thing that satisfies me? Will it be the thing that when I do this, I will no longer long? I will no longer want other things, that this will be the, the thing where I finally find satisfaction, where I find contentedness. We are constantly on a search for satisfaction. If we think about this, if you think about your future plans and what is at the heart of our plans, it, at the heart of these plans that we make as people, whether they're external plans, you know, some, I know some people here, like you got your vision board at home, you're cutting out from magazines, pasting it up, you know, you're making your words, uh, and, and you have your like one-year plan, your six-month plan, your five-year plans. Uh, I get those ads for like journals and, and, you know, special journals for planners, and I'm like, who still uses these? But apparently there's a, a market for those things where, you know, we write down our goals, and then there's some of us where uh, our plans are all in our heart. The, the, our plans for our future are in our head, in our heart. They're the things that we long for, the things that we search for, the things that we are trying to achieve or accomplish in our life. When we think about those plans, at the heart of those plans is the desire for more, is desire for better, is the desire for happier. Why do we plan? Why, why do we have vision for our future? Why do we think about what is upcoming? Because we are searching for something more. We are trying to make our life better. We are trying to go towards the route of happiness. I mean, if you ever ask somebody, you know, the common question is, how do you feel about your job? I would say 90% of the time, people, you know, if they've been at their job more than two weeks, say, well, I don't like it, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm looking for something else. And that is, like, why, why do you want to switch jobs? Why are you looking for something else? What is it about? Why? We make these plans because we, there's something innate in us that tells us if there's something new comes around, this may be the answer for my search. This may be better. This may make me happier. This may finally satisfy me. If I, if I just get that promotion, if I just get that new job, if I just get that new spouse, you know, if I just, whatever it is, if I just get that new something, Maybe this will be the thing that finally completes me. The, the thing that when I wake up in the morning, I will no longer be on a search for something because this will be the thing that I've been looking for. While I was writing this sermon message and I was going through this part, I got an ad on Instagram. Yeah, I stopped to check Instagram while I'm writing my sermons. <laughs> and it said, the wait is over. <laughs> I was just thinking, how ingrained in our subconscious is this that literally the ads, th th this was an ad for a bed. Like, the, the wait is over. Little, you know, Amazon knew that Heather and I are buying a new bed, so I started getting bed ads all the time. Anybody ever talk about something in your house and then all of a sudden all your ads are about that? Freaky, but it happens. I'm just like, whatever, I need a new bed, so I'm going to click this right now. The wait is over for my new bed. But really, the, the people that I think may understand the human mind the most are people in marketing. Because they understand the design, they understand 
the, uh, the, the power of suggestion, they understand colors, they understand text, copy, all these things, in order to provoke a response from you. And the response that they want to provoke from you at all times is a purchase. And at the core of the promise to get you to make a purchase of all of these advertisements that we see is this. The search is over. If you buy this shirt, let me tell you something about this shirt. You will never want another shirt again. You are going to be so happy when you put this shirt on in the morning. You are going to have a better day at work if you wear You think I'm kidding. You know, go on a Kickstarter campaign about some shirt and pants, and you will see that this is, this is ingrained in our culture, in who we are, in our thinking, in our subconscious, that the, the, the marketer, the product creator knows if I just tap into the innate search for better, that I will find my product, will make it, and it will sell. And so this ad came, and it said, your wait is over. And I'm thinking, gee golly, my wait is over. This is going to solve all my problems. And then I see the best sleep you will ever have. And I'm like, that's not, I'm not trying to wait for that. That, that, was, not, that was not important. But yet, in all that we do, we see this idea of searching in our souls for something. The value proposition of everything around us offers this. This is the value proposition for all the things that we do. Degrees, they promise fulfillment later in life through work. This is what they promise. Like if, if you get a degree, you will get a good job and you will enjoy your life. Liars! <laughs> Netflix promises endless escape from reality for happiness and entertainment. This is the value proposition for Netflix, for Hulu, for streaming on demand. You can endlessly escape from your problems and be happy forever. Then why is it that when I watch you for 15 hours that I feel so awful at the end of that? <laughs> Vacation promises satisfaction and true contentedness. If you were just on this beach or by this infinity pool looking out into the endless expanse, that will be the satisfaction of your soul, the endless contentedness that you will feel when you are in this resort. These are the value propositions that are constantly being put. And I'm selling you a vacation right now. Y'all didn't even know it. But at the end, you can sign up for one. Personality tests. They promise ways to find your true purpose in life. If you ever wondered why your life is so stinky, it's because you haven't taken this personality test yet. And you haven't really figured what you're great at and what job you should have. And so once you do that, for just $9.99, this will solve all of your problems. And you will now know exactly what field you should be into because you are one of 16 people on earth, personality types. And this will solve everything that you want. And you will know your purpose. Products tell us, whatever product you're thinking about, could be the vacation, it could be the personality test, it could be the Netflix proposition, all of them will tell you that if we have them, we will finally be happy, we will finally be satisfied, we will finally find our purpose. Coca-Cola, this is a great one, their value proposition, their mission statement is this, to inspire moments of optimism and uplift. This is amazing. 
Coca-Cola, I mean literally a drink. Their, their value add, their, what they, their brand promise to the people is this, to inspire moments of optimism and uplift. You would think they were starting a church in Manhattan. <laughs> like if you want to come to the, yeah, I won't, don't let me go down that rabbit trail. And we buy into this. Literally, we buy into it. We spend our money on this because we believe what we are being sold. That if I just have that drink, if I just have that vacation, if I just have that degree, if I just have that product, then I will be better. But what is the reality of unending Coke? That is literally what I wrote in my sermon notes. <laughs> I know if you all have ever heard this, if you have a spare tooth, you know, throw it in a, in a cup of, of Coca-Cola. Hopefully you don't have a spare tooth lying around the house. <laughs> but if you ever do, you know, when I, went to the, when I went to the dentist and got my wisdom teeth removed, she asked me if I wanted my teeth, and I said yes. They lasted for about a day, and I have no clue where those teeth are. Maybe one day I'll find it, and we'll do this together. Heather's like, oh, no. <laughs> what if I find them in the apartment somewhere? <laughs> well, you put your tooth in a cup of Coke, leave it overnight, and you will find that your tooth will begin to disintegrate. To inspire moments of optimism and uplift. <laughs> Our treasures... Our treasure in life, it follows what our heart longs for. This is in scripture. That we're, what we buy, what we purchase, what we put our money into is where we will find this is what my heart is longing for. This is what I think will satisfy me. This is what I think will bring happiness. This is what I think will finally bring purpose to my life. I was talking to a close friend recently, uh, and my friend, uh, she told me she was starting a new career in her life, and this is uh, a new career after, I think this is about the fourth or fifth new career in the last six years, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot of new careers. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the question was to her, why are you starting another career? Why are you going into this? And the answer was... I. Well, I, I think this is it. I think this is fine. I think this is going to make me happy. That was, that was what she said. This is going to make me happy. Uh, and I just, you know, in my head, I was kind of thinking like fifth career choice, six years, every, you know, we, we've known each other for a while. Every time you've made this career choice shift, the answer is always, well, I think this is going to make me happy. And before we judge this girl, this is something that happens all the time. If you look at st statistics specifically around millennials, millennials on average change job pads every year and a half to two years. Right? And the, the number one reason behind this is I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And then she asked me, you know, I, I kind of threw out a couple of leading questions. I don't know if you ever do that in a conversation, but I was just kind of like, don't you see that this is not the answer? And so she asked me, well, what, what, what makes you happy? What, what would satisfy you forever? And I was like, well, I wasn't expecting such a deep question today on this afternoon. Um, 
And so I, I was just thinking, I was like, well, give me a, a minute to think about this. And the answer was what satisfies me, what would satisfy me forever was, and this is what I told her, I said, I, really eternity glorifying God that would satisfy me forever. And she was just kind of like, okay, and so why, why did you make that decision? I said, well, I've tried a lot of things. And at the end of all those things, I feel unsatisfied. And I, I feel like these brand promises keep on saying, you will try this, you will do this, and you will feel great. But at the end of the day, when I, when I get here, when I do this, I don't. But every time I leave God's presence, I, I feel the opposite. I feel satisfied. I feel content. I feel, I feel whole. And so if I could do that for the rest of my life, I would do that. And I, I think that what we need to find in life is what eternally satisfies us. And so she said, well, what if somebody is eternally satisfied uh, from, like, turning butter? Like, that just, that, that brings them to the end. Like, they are happy doing that every day. And I was like, well, then let them do that for eternity. Because if that truly is the satisfaction mark of your life, then that would be great for you to do for all of eternity, endless time upon time upon time. See, the, what she was trying to get at and what I was trying to get at is she was trying to say, well, every, everybody is satisfied by something different. What I was trying to get at is everybody is dissatisfied by everything except for one thing. And so truly what you will find is that we may find glimpses of satisfaction in all the world, but I understand this one True point that there is nothing more true from it is that I will gladly go into a competition with satisfaction about satisfaction with anybody because I know that true purpose, true satisfaction, true happiness is only found in one place. And no matter if something gives us a glimpse of that thing, over time that thing will not keep us whole. That sip of Coke may feel really good. That is a moment of uplift and optimism in my life. But when that moment is over, I know how I feel two hours later after I drink a cup of soda. I feel bad. That's how I feel. My stomach feels weird. It doesn't like it. You know, the burning acid going down my throat while I'm drinking it didn't throw off enough signals, yet still I drink Coke because the promise of Coke with a meal is great. This will satisfy my need for thirst. This will satisfy my desire for sugar. But this is the promise of Proverbs. That if you want to live a truly abundant life, that you follow the wisdom that it gives you. And this will lead you into the best possible, most satisfied, most content, most purpose-filled life that you can possibly live. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 35, it says this, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. The, prom the promise of Proverbs is that if you follow the wisdom of Proverbs, that you will find life. 
And the life that is spoken about in Proverbs is the life here on earth. That if you are looking for abundant life on earth, then follow what we have been talking about for the last three and a half months. That if you follow in the way of God, if you follow in the way of Jesus, what will actually happen is your life of abundance will start now. We don't have to wait to heaven to experience eternal joy, eternal satisfaction, and eternal contentedness. That if we follow in the way of Proverbs, then that promise for life is actually an earthly promise of abundant living. Here is the logic. God is your creator. He knows how best you should flourish. You don't ask the car maker how your watch works. The car maker knows how the car works, and the watchmaker knows how the watch works. God is our creator. He knows how best we flourish. So following the path that he has laid out for us, how he has called us to live, means the best flourishing that we can have on earth as possible. We go to our creator and say, how have you created us to live? Instead, we go to creation and we ask each other, how should we live? And what we have seen when we go to creation instead is creation is trying constantly to fill a gap that only the creator knows the key to. The creator is shouting, is screaming, is saying, I have made you. I know how you should live. I know the way that you should go. I know the best path for you to live on earth and in eternity. Follow me. Follow me. In Proverbs 19, verse 23, it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. See, here's the truth. Abundant life is not about materials. Blessing is not about stuff. Abundant life, blessing is always about the immaterial things in life. If you look at the brand promise, if you look at the searching, if you look at all the things that are promised, they say it, it's not that we want those things, it's we want what they produce in our life. All right, we go shopping online for that moment of happiness, that moment of euphoria when we press checkout in our bag and we know I get a package in the mail. We, we, we put on Netflix because of the promise of satisfaction, the promise of unwinding, the, the promise of feeling content at the end of the night. We go on vacation for that promise of relaxation, the promise of joy, of finally being at peace. It is the immaterial things that is promised to us by the material things that we buy, and that's why we buy them. It is about the joy, it is about the peace, it is about the contentedness. The only reason why we mask these things is in hopes that we get the immaterial from it. But that immaterial, God says... I'm the only one that can provide it. I'm the only one that can give this to you and sustain it long term. I'm the only one 
that if you have more of me, this won't actually be bad for you. This will be good for you. We were created to work. So even though I daydream about endless vacation, I know that will destroy me rather than fulfill me. The endless Coca-Cola, what? It, yeah, it may taste good and it feels good in the moment, but if I keep on having it on end, it will destroy me. It will lead to death. The only one who that if we have more of, if we have endless supply of, if we have constant use of that will leave us satisfied, content, joyful, and peaceful, God says, is me. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, it says this, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here is the point of Proverbs in all of its wisdom. Do you want purpose? Pursue God. Do you want happiness? Pursue God. Do you want satisfaction? Pursue God. When people ask me, Justin, how do I know my purpose? How do I know what I'm created to do? You know what I don't do? I don't send them Finder. I don't send them Myers-Briggs. I don't tell them to go to somebody that, you know, some motivational person that's going to help you find it all. What I tell them is pursue God. Because what happens is we get wrapped up in what will I do to fulfill myself. But God is saying this, that if you pursue me, you will be fulfilled. Don't worry about the fulfillment. Don't worry about the satisfaction. Don't worry about the contentedness. Don't worry about the joy. Don't worry about the peace. Because the more you have of me, the more you are filled with me, the more peace, the more joy the more contentedness, the most satisfied you will be. And I remember the first time I experienced this, I was 18. Uh, I had moved to Ohio, and I moved to Ohio because I lived in New York City my whole life, and I had all my friends. I grew up in church, and I realized I need to figure things out for myself. And I remember this one specific period while I was there. It was, it was around three or four months where... In the morning, I began this routine of just waking up and pursuing God. That may look different for everybody. It could be throwing on some worship music and, and, and worshiping with it, praying, reading scripture. For me, it was waking up, praying, and reading through scripture every morning. And my thought was not that the more I read and the more I pray, you're going to solve all my problems. The thought was this, God, I want to know you. I want to pursue you. I want you to be the main thing in my life that I pursue, that I'm relentless with chasing after you. And I began to notice something in my life that began to change. The eternal sadness that was always lingering in my heart began to leave. Do you know what was crazy is I was not praying to God, God, I am always sad. Can you remove my sadness? What happened was that when I pursued God and was filled with him, there was less room for Justin's sadness and more room for the joy of God. That the joy of God began to actually fill me up and push out all the rest of the things of my life that were consuming me endlessly from there. That the destructive habits and things that I would do 
little by little, they began to fall away. Now, these weren't prayers of God, save me from my sin, save me from that, save me from this. These were prayers of God, I want to know you, the power of your resurrection, and the fellowship of your sufferings. Philippians 3.10, God, I want to know you, God, I want to know you. In this, my purpose became clear. I remember one day I was praying in the morning. And I was wrestling, all of my friends in Ohio, they were saying, oh, Justin, you should just live here, just move out here, it would be great. You know, you're, we, I made a lot of very close friendships, and I remember waking up one morning, and I was praying, and God said, Justin, you are going back to New York, and that is going to be your mission field, and that is going to be the mission field for as long as I tell you it's going to be, for as much as I know for the rest of my life. I wasn't asking God, God, what's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's my purpose? It was just, God, wherever you lead me, wherever you call, whatever you want me to do, I am yours. I want you and I want nothing else. And then what happened? Purpose came. That no matter what I do, all roads lead back to the mission work for New York City. That the things in my heart that for years... I had struggled with, that I had told myself, Justin, this is your personality. This is who you are now. You will never change. There are things in our life that we lie to ourselves and we say this is part of our personality. It's genetic. This will never be something that changes. This is part of who I am. This is how I will continually live and act and think for the rest of my life. God began to rewire my mind and say, no, that's actually not who you are. This is who I've created you to be. I began to realize I was looking in a mirror and saying to myself, Justin, this is who you are. But I was not asking my creator who I am, the one who made me, that's, that knew me best. He wasn't the one that was defining my identity and who I was. But when he began to do that, everything in me began to change. And this psalm became true, Psalm 84, verse 10. It said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. If this is not true for you, then what I have put before you is that you have yet to experience the fullness of God's presence. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's something for you to go home and pray about. Because I can tell you, even myself, I forget sometimes. And I still run to other things. And I forget that the ultimate satisfier, the thing that will never leave me empty, the thing that will never leave me with a false promise, the thing that will always come through with joy, will always come through with purpose, that will always fill me up with good things is God. It is not the TV. It is not that person. It is not this thing. It is not buying that. It is not getting this. It is not what this ad promised me. It is not what this corporation has said to me. It is always, first and foremost, every single time, it is in his presence. 
That as I relentlessly chase him, as I pursue God in my life, that every single time I walk away saying, God, I just want more of that. Whatever that was, I want more. I want more of your presence. I want more of your joy. I want more of of, of what you offer, of, of your patience, God. I want more of that, God. If I can live every day in that moment of your presence, then, man, whatever it takes, I want to live for eternity like that. Because one day in your presence, one day with you, one day in prayer and in worship and in your word, I'm telling you, time and time again has been better than a thousand days spelt doing anything else. When we give him everything, we will never be dissatisfied. The search can end. The search for purpose, the search for happiness, the search for contentedness, for joy, it can end. If we pursue him, if we chase after him. Because that promise of Proverbs is this, that following God will give you the best possible life on earth you could ever ask for. And this life that is promised over and over again by Proverbs is the life that we all seek, but so few find. One of abundance in all circumstances. When I talk about abundance, when I talk about satisfaction, when I talk about happiness, a lot of times our mind drifts to material things. It's not the material things. It's the immaterial things. It's, it's, it's when all the things in my life collapse and yet I am still joyful. It's when nothing is going right, yet I am still most satisfied. It's when I have everything that I can possibly want, but yet I still know that there's only one thing that truly gives. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. True life is first and foremost wrapped up in our faith in Christ. That leads us into obedience to what he calls us to do and to everything that we've been talking about for the last few months. And then then our search for satisfaction is over. Our joy is everlasting. Because the truth is, if you give your life over to anything else first, it doesn't matter what the promise is, you will not be satisfied. If we think the material things will satisfy us, look no further than the news where every day you see greed has no end to it, has no satisfaction to it. Materials have no end to them, have no satisfaction in them, that we just want more and more and more because when we have more, we crave more and we want more and we need more. And the more that we get, the only more that we want because that does not fill the craving of our heart and in our lives. It does not truly satisfy 
If you find your heart longing and searching. My encouragement to you is to go to Jesus. To pursue him. It says if we draw close to him in James, that he will draw close to us. That is his promise. That if you go and you look at your bank account, think where have I pursued happiness and joy? Has it fulfilled me? And say, instead of doing those things, I'm going to train my heart to go to Jesus. And what you will find is you will find that psalm true, that better is one day in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere. I love what David says here. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Because that would be better. That would be more satisfying. That would be more joyful. That would be, leave me more content than anything I can do on earth. Can you stand with me and pray?